Welcome to the 4-H Lunchtime Ladies podcast, the podcast that will help you build your 4-H house one lunch at a time. This is hosted by Megan Parr and Wendy Scott, 4-H specialist in Texas. Hi, Megan. How are you today? Hey, Wendy. I'm good. How are you? Oh, you know, I'm not going to lie. We're a little bit down here in Texas tech country. How come? Well... It's not official yet, but it's coming. Chris Beard has announced he's going to Texas. Oh, man. It's a very sad day. Like, I may start crying during the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I need some Kleenex during the podcast. Yeah, he's taken off to UT, his alma mater. So, yeah, that's, I don't even know if I can talk about the weather. It's, it, even if it's beautiful, I'd have to say it's pretty ugly up here right now. <laughs> <laughs> what about Stephenville? Um, it's nice. It's really pretty. It's a little chilly, but it's really pretty. Yeah, it's just gloomy. <laughs> it's really sunny, but it's gloomy here in Lubbock today. <laughs> <laughs> but I digress. Let's talk about some day camps. Yeah, let's talk about it. We're getting to be um, that point in the year where um, it's time to start planning out our summer activities and we really need to, um, be on the ball with that. And so with that, we want to make sure that everybody has, um, has some ideas on some camps that they can, that they can do. And that's exactly what we're going to do. We are just going to fire ideas. That, that's it. Just fire things that we've done or, or agents that we've worked with, things that they have done that have been successful. And then we're going to give you, what do you call this one, Megan? The, the good, the good, the bad, the ugly. Yes, because sometimes there is some, some bad and some ugly of day camps. And if any of you have been in extension for a while and done any day camps, there's probably some things you learn from that. And maybe things that maybe they were great, or maybe sometimes you left a day camp and thought, oh my goodness, that was terrible. I need to go back to the drawing board. And there's nothing wrong with that. As long as nobody died, as long as nobody died at the day camp, you're good. You can revamp and, and get ready for next year. So that's okay. So I'm going to start off with one. This is not one that I did. My list will come later, but shout out to Donya Peterson in Garza County. And, and Donya, when she did this, was a fairly new agent and she did it in deep COVID times last summer because she followed protocol and did it correctly. But she did an art camp. And she's hoping this summer to get to open it to the whole community. So I want to stop right there and say this. I think your day camps, a lot of times we think just our 4-H members. I think some of the things we're going to talk about today so could be some creative youth outreach. Yeah, for sure. And maybe some ways to grow some partnerships that you might not have thought of. Yes. And, and Megan, you're definitely going to get into that on some years. So I'm yeah, going to say at, art camp. Now, I, I do want to say on art camp. Donya may be artsy. I'm not for sure. Wendy is not. If I was going to do an art camp, I would call in some backup people. Yeah. And I think we've had an agent do that where um, they had a, a painting place, you know, one of those art studios or one of those, um, what's it called? Painting with a twist yes. things in town. And I think we've had an agent that um, Chrissy Carr now again, I'm not sure if she actually did this or if it was something that we just talked about, but um partnered with them to do an art camp and let that that person there actually teach the camp and so that person got a little bit of business the kids got a good education and had a had a good time with it yes and I think with that too there are so many people at, 
and we see this tons on Facebook and things like that, that so many people are opening their own businesses. Mm -hmm. There may be somebody you can utilize. that's just a locally owned business that's some artsy something that you might be able to utilize and maybe get them some business along the way. So there's a good yeah. plug on an art camp. For sure. So Megan, what's yours? Um, so I want to talk, well, we'll see along, along that line, um, Pinterest camp. So this was not my idea. It was the idea of one of my coworkers. Um, she'd done it a couple of times, but she just found, um, activities for the kids to do on Pinterest with different, um, crafts or experiments or whatever it was that we found on Pinterest. And the kids got to come in and, um, make these, these items and then take them home with them at the end of the day. And so they had a blast with it. They got to do some fun things. We threw, um, one of the activities we did was painting flower pots. And so then we threw in a little bit of um, gardening education with that, where they also got to plant a seed to go with it. And we um, happened to have an intern that summer who talked about um, the types of seeds that they were planting and how they were good for um, pollinators. And so we got to throw, tie in a little bit of extra education with it. So it wasn't just all like arts and crafts. It was some education with it too. And I like the takeaway you said with that, something they can take home. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. That's important. All right. I, I will say I'm not saying along those lines, but kind of. Mm -hmm. In Texas, we have Duds to Dazzle. It's a contest we have. It's been around for a, a little bit, but we had just started doing it in my county in the spring of whatever year that was. And so one of the volunteers and I decided that summer to do a Duds to Dazzle camp. It was targeted at the kids that had competed in Duds to Dazzle. So they came in and we kind of kicked up their fashion interior design knowledge a little bit to support them in what we call D to D, Duds to Dazzle. But the beautiful part about it was those kids turned around that same summer and said, we want to do a camp for other 4-H members who might be interested in Duds to Dazzle. Therefore, it was a great way for them to turn around and do another camp and get some leadership from that. So a Duds to Dazzle camp, and some of you may be, do a sewing camp. You may call it something yeah. different, but something with fashion interior design. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite ones that we've done has been county camp. And I know that the 4-H center has county camp. There's lots of like overnight county camps, but in, in this county, we did, um, we did county camp there and our county council kids hosted it. They planned out the activities. They picked the topics. They led all of the workshops and everything. Um, I just did the coordinating of the campers. And so they, they, each year they picked out six, um, project areas that they wanted to focus on and split those up. And then they each, um, taught something and we had three each day. It was a two day camp. And so we've done things like ag product ID, parliamentary procedure, leadership, communications, fashion, foods, um, robotics one year, we got, um, the robotics kits and they learned how to, how to put those together and how to program them. Um, we did a fashion one where they had to make newspaper hats and we had construction paper and all sorts of stuff and, um, had a huge blast with that one. They, they just got to do some really fun, different activities and get, we opened it up to the public. So it wasn't just 4-H members. And so we got to do some education with some, some non-traditional 4-H students. That's fun. That's fun. All right. I'll stay. I, I may be switching gears. I don't know. I'll say kind of along the fashion interior design. 
not just looking at the the regular 4-H members, but something with those Clover kids. Mm -hmm. Another area that we had that, again, my experienced fashion interior design kids put the camp on, so it was good leadership for them. We did a Duds to Dazzle Clover Kids camp. That's and so had fun. it during the day. Oh, those Clover kids loved it. They loved the hands-on part, but they loved the big kids. And it, <laughs> it created the, just this wonderful relationship. And it was a great tool that we used to promote the 4-H program that, yes, they could get in as Clover kids, but also looking at things that they could do when they were that real 4-H-er of third grade and what they could look forward to. So there's my there was my next one. What's yours? Yeah. Well, um, I like the boot camps. You know, we've done baking boot camp, which was so fun where we, and we'll, we'll dive into some of those food camps later. Um, but the baking boot camp was a lot of fun where they learned all the things about baking. Um, but one that I want to highlight here today is one I did very early on in my career, um, in the panhandle with was called leadership boot camp. And we took the students for a half a day and we went through all different types of leadership activities and what is 4-H. And I think we played 4-H Jeopardy and just had all kinds of things there for these kids to learn about what it looks like to be a leader. And it was so, so fun. So fun. Okay. I'm going to mention a boot camp, but again, I'm going to save it for the food nutrition time. Yeah. We did kid and I, I had gone, gosh, I hate to date myself. This was 2005. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound that doesn't sound that long ago, but when I said it, I thought that is 16 years ago. I went to the the National 4-H Agents Conference in Seattle, and I don't remember what state did this. I still have the paperwork at my office. They had done a kitchen boot camp for boys, and I came back that summer and did that. And it really targeted kids that are boys that weren't already in the 4-H program. And then the girls were like, "We want one," so I did kitchen boot camp for girls. So I'm just going to tease that that we're going to talk about later. But yeah, along the food lines. And this could be part of the, the, the ugly. It wasn't bad. It was the ugly. I did a six-week baking school in the summer. Never one day again. Never, never again. ever. Never again. <laughs> even though what they learned was great. We did quick breads and yeast breads and cupcakes. And they even learned. We culminated the event. They did, learned to do homemade pasta. But it was absolutely exhausting. Mm -hmm. Exhausting. If I was going to go back and do it again... I don't know how I would change it, honestly, to do all that. I don't know. It it was it was hard. Again, great skills they learned, but man, it a lot of time, lot a lot of flower bought in Lynn County. There yeah. you go. So baking let's circle, cool. let's circle back to those good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, the yeah. bad and the ugly part. Let's circle back to those in just a minute. I let's keep talking about the fun things. Um one of the, we'll just hammer y'all with the bad on the end. Yeah, we'll just leave you with that. <laughs> um one of the, one of a really, really fun one I did. Um, I, I don't know why, but I, for the longest time I was really into doing, um, three day camps, like three days in a row. I don't oh. know what the heck I was thinking. Oh. Um, but I did, um, one year we did food camp one year we did a different camp, but this one particular year we did three days of camp and each day was a different type of camp. And so the first day was science day and we did all kinds of science experiments and, um, like we learned how to, um, turn milk into plastic. And so that was a lot of fun. We, um, we did a guess and test to see which paper towel was most absorbent. And so BT dubs, it's the Walmart brand. Um, yeah, you wouldn't think really? that, but it, it is. Yep. 
more so than bounty. Um, and we, you know, we just did all kinds of experiments with that. Um, that day, the second day was, um, I think it was food camp the second day and we did everything on a stick food camp that, that day had a theme. And so everything was on the stick. So we learned how to make all these different foods, pancakes, salads, desserts, um, all kinds of things, but everything had to be on a stick. And then the last day was water day. And so we did all kinds of water um, activities where we learned about evaporation and the water cycle and um, all kinds of things like that. But then we ended the day with a giant water balloon fight. <laughs> and so oh, the kids yes. got to have a lot of fun at the end of it. Yes, I like that. Getting wet at the end. They might as well run around and have some fun and, and get some energy out. Yeah, yeah. Same with that water camp, something we had done really up until two summers ago. Our 4-H, agent, 4-H Agents Association here in District 2 used to host the D2H2O camp. And we are so lucky here on the, the High Plains and the South Plains that we have Paladura Canyon and Caprock Canyon. And Caprock Canyon sits really just at the upper part of District 2, and it's gorgeous. And they have, it's a smaller body of water, but it is a body of water. We would have five different stations that kids could go to. It it didn't all involve water. We were around the body of water, but they would fish. That was one of the stations. They would learn to canoe was one of the stations. Now, the one station I was always responsible for because I didn't like getting in the water because I'm not an H2O person. I did the water (laughs) games. I did the water games on dry land. Now that I could handle. And there are so many Pinterest ideas. And those kids had the best time. That would be something we'd fill out. Usually we cap it around 175 and we, we usually allowed in over 200 kids spectacular spectacular event h d2 h2o camp so y'all can steal that with h2o camp that's awesome um another one i circle back to the fashion interior design stuff um we did this camp on spring break not so much in the summertime but we did a spring break camp and it was called ooh la la days And so these kids, um, we did all kinds of um, fashion stuff where they learned about the color wheel and they learned about um, different types of fabric. And then we did different um, arts and crafts projects. Like I think one year we made glow in the dark slime and just some different things like that. Um, But it was during spring break. And so it kind of kicked off our fashion project each year. So we would have kids come in from all across the county and participate in this camp and then suck them in and get them to go be a part of the fashion show. There you go. That's a smart idea. I think actually one year we, we did storyboards, like we had them all make a storyboard. And so then the ones that signed up to be 4-H members, we submitted their storyboards for the storyboard fashion storyboard contest. Oh, killing two birds with one stone. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Now, I know this one I did for for years early on when I first moved to the South Plains and and went back to being an agent, Science in the Kitchen. Oh, those are fun. Now, that's Mm -hmm. another one that could get out of control and be a long day. And we're going to talk about that on the end, about maybe some tips and tricks to doing your your, uh, day camps. But Science in the Kitchen. So everything related to something in the kitchen, we did experiments with yeast and we made GAC with the the baking, what is it, powder? So no, cornstarch, cornstarch. We yeah. made that. I mean, all that stuff. And then we finished the day because I wanted them to leave sticky and sit in their parents' cars. We would go in the city <laughs> park across the street and, and it was fun. We do a hypothesis. I would give them different soft drinks, two liter bottles 
from diet to regular to, and I will tell you the best one was cherry seven up for us and let them hypothesize as to which one would explode the highest with the Mentos. That is my favorite oh, experiment ever. It was so much fun. I told Megan before we started, I've got a picture somewhere. I've got to find it. And those kids are hauling butt because that stuff went everywhere. But we found that the best one was Cherry 7-Up and it was beautiful. That thing exploded and it was just this beautiful pink in the air. And then it was just <laughs> raining down sticky soft drink all over every kid that was there. Great, great photo opportunity. Yeah. So when we did it, it was um, orange soda. Oh, HEV brand soda? of orange soda. Yep. Had not even thought about or an orange drink doing that. That's brilliant. So it's yeah. it, it, a little science experiment going on there too. So science now, the kitchens in there. Going. Yeah. So science science camp is a really fun one to also teach kids um, what doesn't work because sometimes things don't work. Like you can test them out and they work for you, but then you get them with the kids and something somewhere. Um, doesn't go right. And so I had that one year, I, I put all these pieces together for this one science experiment and nothing happened. <laughs> and so well, was like, hey, that's a learning experience too. <laughs> it was a dud. So we, we did, we talked about that and we talked about how in science, sometimes um, the, we can hypothesize one thing, but it doesn't always come true. You know, some things we have an adverse reaction and stuff. And so, I mean, I turned it into a lesson, but I was so disappointed. I was like, I put so much time and energy into this project. And then it just did nothing. Did nothing. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes you might want to try those things or, or it's just a, you know, you learn as you go. Yeah. Maybe they work. Maybe they don't let the kids learn from that. Yeah. All right, Megan, what's another one of yours? Okay, so I have two more, but the one I want to do now is um, one of the things that I love to do each summer is an officer retreat. So I do it in two different parts. The first part is where I bring the county council kids come in and we do a big planning retreat and it's just the county council kids. And so we'll have a whole work day where they plan out their whole year. They do some team bonding and then we usually do an activity at the end of it. Um, but while we're there, they plan out a club officer workshop. And so then they put together a whole day of, um, workshops for club op club officers. What do they need to know as a club officer? Um, it could be officer descriptions. It could be parts of an agenda. It could be partly pro it could be whatever. And then we have a whole day where the club officers come in and do that, that whole camp. So I feel like camps, they can be broad or they can be more targeted depending on what, what your need of your County is. Um, but that one was a super effective one. It was very well received. I think even one year we ended up offering it two different times because we had so many sign up for the first one that I didn't have room for them all. So we had to have a second camp. And so like the, the next week later, and then we caught all the rest of the club officers with that one. So good times. That's when you don't know it was successful when you've got to yeah. duplicate it. Yep. That's excellent. All right. What's going to be your last one? Outdoor days. Okay. You talk that one and then I'm going to build on it. Okay. What I'm going to, so I was like, I hate to, I hate to go before you on this one. So you go <laughs> and talk yours and then I'll come back to me. Okay. So, um, I don't know about anywhere else, but here in Texas, one of the fastest growing projects I feel like is the outdoor education or wildlife project. And so, um, we had a ton of youth in Ellis County that were super interested in natural resources. 
And that year I just happened to have a couple of uh, one water ambassador and I had a couple of shooting sports ambassadors. And um, what I did is I partnered with the master naturalist group out of our county and got together with them and hosted this camp. And it was amazing. What we got to do was um, the master naturalist actually had a, pra- a native grass prairie land out in Ennis where we hosted the camp. And so they took the kids out and did a big scavenger hunt and found all the different grasses and um, insects and all this stuff. We had the water district come out with a stream trailer and talk about water erosion. Um, Texas Parks and Wildlife sent us a biologist to come down and talk about some water education. And then we had our water ambassador jump in there with that. And um, Texas Parks and Wildlife also has this program where they will send you a person and all the supplies to do quail necropsies. And so we had a whole um, area set up for quail necropsies. Um, Some of the kids really, really loved that. Some of them were puking. Um, because oh. it was gross. <laughs> so, Whoops. Some of them really did not love it at all. Um, and then we also had um archery out there, and that's where my shooting sports kids got to teach archery and um get some extra leadership experiences with that. That one was a lot of fun because we had so many sponsors and so many partners with that that we were able to give each kid a water bottle to use during the camp and um a t-shirt to wear on the last day. So Lots of fun. I'm laughing and I'll tell you why I'm laughing about the water bottle. That would have come in handy at our outdoor thing we did. All right. So we we went probably a step further because we ended up spending the night. So this mm-hmm. was probably 2014. We had an intern from tech and he had to do a capstone project. He developed outdoor madness is what we called it. Oh my goodness, our kids loved it. So they learned at camp, they learned to set up a tent. And I reached out because I wasn't an outdoor person. I grew up in a family of girls. We didn't camp. That, that's not what I did. I mean, we it's like, oh, I'm going to the hotel. Uh-uh. Now I really do like <laughs> the tent camp, even though we have an RV, but I like tent camping. So I called a friend of mine who used to work at our Texas 4-H center, who's now at Lower Colorado River Authority, Drew Pickle. Shout out to Drew. I still talk to Drew every once in a while. I said, Drew, what can we do with these kids outside? And so he talked about, you know, fishing, which is normal. And he told me about some apps we could use for stargazing. And I'll be on the majority of the kids that went were boys and they were middle school boys. They love that part. So we took, and it, it's hard to get some service in Caprock sometime, but we went up to the top of kind of the Canyon and had my phone. And when you'd move it around, it would tell you what you were looking at. Oh, cool. That was great. That was great. So we did, you know, setting up your tent. They did outdoor cooking. Well, the part, this is where I laugh about your water water bottle. They have all kinds of hiking trails at Caprock. So we take off the three adults and however many kids we have. And we're on this little hike and (laughs) we were so dumb. Talk about using it as a teachable moment. Oh my goodness. I guess we weren't thinking we didn't take enough water. By the time we got to the end, the kids and me too, I was like, we're going to die. <laughs> Y'all, it was so bad that my coworker and our intern, they hitchhike with somebody in the park back to go get our vehicles to drive back. Oh my god! <laughs> me and the kids. And I remember as we were just laying on the ground, we didn't care. We had some backpacks. So that was our pillow. And we were laying on the ground and we just thought the buzzards were going to die and the buzzards are going to come. <laughs> So we learned a lesson. 
hydration is very important. Even if it adds weight to your pack, take your <laughs> hydration when you're going on a hike through the park. Anyway, it's funny how that event, Outdoor Madness, and we call it Outdoor Madness Part 2, and we just kept changing it year after year and what our kids would do. So then we changed it into a four-day event and went to Inks Lake and my coworker taught them to debone fish and we went geocaching. Now the last year we cheated and we went to Rio Dosa and rented a house. <laughs> <laughs> we got smart, but fun for that too. We decided to hike up a mountain and here comes a hailstorm. Oh gosh. So we had to figure out what to do in a hailstorm when literally 10 minutes prior, it was gorgeous outside. Yeah. And all of a sudden here comes the hell in the rain. Great learning experience again. You never know. And I laugh about a picture on that one too. That hell is just raining on us and my coworkers taking pictures. But teachable moments, so much fun. And, and we talked yesterday, we did a training for District 1 and District 2 about creative youth outreach. Our, and, and Megan, you said it. Our kids love being outside. They mm -hmm. love, whether it's the wildlife project, outdoor education, they love it. They want to be outside. They don't always want to be cooped up playing their video games. And I think what a great day camp idea for our kids. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about, um, let's talk about how we put together these camps. How do we yes. identify the, the camp to do? How do we put it together? What is kind of our timeline? Um, and then some partnerships and maybe some <laughs> do's and don'ts of what we've learned over the yeah. years. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you start on that one. I've got a little, I just had my takeaways. I was ready to finish, but go for it. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No, go, go. We got um, this. Okay. So I, I feel like, um, when you're looking at planning to camp first, ask the kids what they're, what they're interested in, you know, pull, pull them and find out what do they want to learn more about? What do they want to do? Your County council group is an excellent group to use for that to, um, say, okay, I'm looking at offering some day camps this year what do you think we should offer? And then let them have, um, have a part in planning it as well. Um, the second thing I would say with that is to figure out what you are excited about, because if you're excited about it, you're going to get more buy-in from your, um, clientele than if it's something that you are not excited about at all. And yep. so find a camp that you really love to do. Yeah. And I'm going to say with that, I wrote down when you were talking about one of the deals earlier, how are you going to market this? Yes. What marketing piece can you create that's something that looks good, that gets kids excited? And it's not just about the kids. You're really marketing to those parents first because they're probably the ones that have to drive the kids there. Mm -hmm. Is it going to be Canva? Are you going to create some really neat video? If you've got a video, please make sure you have good audio. Go to wherever. Usually I use Amazon. I've got a fairly inexpensive microphone that I have that plugs in make it professional if you're going to do it, but get some good marketing pieces out there. Yeah. Um, put a press release out there. You know, I would say that now is the time to plan these. You don't have to plan them all the way out, but you need to set some dates and you need to get some marketing pieces put together. Um, I would say normally by at least mid April, you need to have all of that stuff, um, out to your people and out wherever you're going to market it. Um, if you wait any longer than that, people are going to have already made plans for the summer. And so we need to, we need to get on it pretty quickly. Yep. And, and I, again, y'all know, we always talk before you come on air movement. These kids got to move. Yes. It can't be okay. Well, we're going to be at this station for an hour and this station for an hour. You are going to lose them. It's yeah. got to be a, I don't want to say a constant, but short time frame. 
Yeah. So let's talk about that. Some do's and don'ts. I would say do host a camp for sure. Host a camp. Don't host one that lasted the entirety of a day. No. You are going to be worn out. Your kids are going to be worn out. Um, I I have been there, done that with hosting camps that last from like nine to three or nine to four or whatever. And I'm going to tell you what, after you feed those kids lunch, there is no coming back. They're done. They're disinterested. They are tired. They just want to go home at that point. So my, my advice in learning from the things that, that I have failed in is to say, a nine to noon, nine to eleven thirty. Those are that's a good camp. You can put some experiences in there, more quality experiences where you can maybe go a little deeper. Offer a few less, but go a little deeper in them, um, as opposed to one that goes a whole day. Yeah, and I'll even say with Clover Kids, one hour. Yeah, that's what. I, and people go, "You're only doing one hour," and then once they saw how they acted, they realized why we only did one hour. Yeah. Look at the ages of your kids and what you can handle. And it may be your camps. Maybe you target certain ages for certain things. Mm -hmm. Just an idea. Just an idea. Another, another one that I would say is to make sure that they get to take something home. Make sure that you um, give them, you know, give them something tangible to take home. Don't just hand them a whole bunch of papers to take home because that, those are never going to make it home. They're going to end up in the floor of your office. Or wherever oh, yeah. you're, you're doing camp. They're going to get left behind. You'll have to clean them up. Yeah. At the end. yeah. You're going to throw those away. Yeah. Don't um, do that. I would say, hey, make sure that they have some, if you do an activity, make sure they have something to take home with it. Yeah. Um, and the, it's camp, you know, we're not sitting there. We don't want to be sitting there being lectured to. We want to have, like Wendy said, those hands-on projects. We want to do um, all of these, these experiences that are, where the kids get to actually use their hands. Yeah. It's not school. No, it's not school. Don't run it like school or you, you won't get them back. Right. They won't come back. Megan said this one a whole lot. Use your resources. If you happen to be a new agent or new to a county and you really don't know what resources you have, ask. To me, that's the power of social media of asking on there. Hey, is there anybody that knows someone that can teach painting to kids, what, whatever you need, man, that's the power. I, and I don't always like social media, but that's where social media is a huge help is helping you find some resources. Yeah. Um, speaking of resources, use the ones that you have in your office, whether that's your coworker or it's your master gardeners or your master naturalist or whoever, um, use, use your resources there too. And you may be surprised what you find when yeah. you start asking. <laughs> yeah. Go dig in that closet that no one goes into and see, see what kind of fun things are in there. <laughs> There's no telling what resources you may find. It may be a little scary. Yeah. Yeah. All the nooks and crannies of the office were stuff from the sixties got crammed. Yeah. Um, we talked about a length of a camp. Uh, Wendy and I have both said that uh, we will not ever do a six week long camp ever again. And I will go a little bit further to say that we tried this. We were going through um, the food challenge explore guide. You can find those on the Texas 4-H website if you're interested in those. Um, but it's six weeks worth of lessons. And so we did a lesson a week for six weeks. And what the problem was with that was um, my calendar filled up for summer. And these six, while I planned them out, I ended up having to be gone for two of those six weeks and had my coworker come in to teach them. 
Well, and that's great, but it takes so much work to plan each one of those things. Whereas you can probably accomplish the same thing, um, in a two day camp as opposed to a six week long camp and be just as effective. And maybe even, I was going to say even more effective. Yeah. Yeah. It it was a beating. It, it those six week camps and more power to you if that's what you want to do you hook it up but the lunchtime ladies have spoken yeah <laughs> we say it's not a good idea <laughs> no 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 it takes so much work to plan those and oh, it just, I was so ready for summer to be over <laughs> oh my gosh I was done <laughs> well, as a matter of fact I think we got to the last week and I think I was this close to canceling the last week because I was just burned out <laughs> the last one oh I do want to answer this question. We had this question yesterday on when we did creative youth outreach. Somebody asked, how do you pay for the supplies? And I, that's something we didn't even think about. The majority of our events, you know, Outdoor Madness, we, we charged a pretty decent fee. I mean, there's, there's a lot of costs that went along with that. I was blessed enough in my county. I had a good county budget. I tried to use my county budget. The Cloverkin events, I'll admit, we usually charged on that five or $10 just to get a vested interest. We didn't want them to RSVP to the office and they go, oh yeah, we're coming, we're coming, we're coming. And we have 50 RSVP and because we didn't, we didn't get a vested interest from them, then 10 show up. So I did, I tried to do a minimal fee, something that people could afford, but yeah, if you make it free, great. If it's, and, and truly, probably if I would have got out on the beaten path and looked for some grants and some things like that, I, yeah, I probably could have done that too. But, mm, you know, life goes on and, and there's other parts of the job besides your day camps. Always out looking for grants is not necessarily the answer. It could be an answer. Right. Um, I'll, I'll stay along those lines. Um, some of the things that I've learned, I've done free camps and I've done camps that have cost. I've had sponsors for camps that came in and took care of the whole thing. And then camps where, um, we had to make up the difference in, 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 in all of that. Um, I was blessed in two counties to have a little bit of money to play with for camps. So when it came th- to, down to things like supplies or, you know, things like that, we had a little bit money of money to supplement. However, I have learned just like Wendy said, if you do not charge for these camps, people will sign up and they will never show up. Um, and, and then you're stuck footing the bill for all those extra supplies that you had because you had, and maybe you had, you know, a limited space. So you had 25 spaces and 27 kids showed up and so, uh, are signed up. And then when it came down to it, 10 showed up, but you're prepared for 27 kids and then you've, you've lost money on that. So, um, I, I did go a little further with some of those um, more high profile camps, things like food camp, um, ooh la la days, outdoor days, um, you know, those ones where they were Pinterest camp where they were going to be making some things and we had to have individual supplies for each kid. We had a budget for that. And so we found out what every single part of those supplies were going to cost. And then we adjusted our registration cost around that so that at least, um, those supplies were covered. And I think sometimes it's a mental state. I think people equate it's going to be a more quality program when they pay. And we see yeah. we see that on the adults, adult side of extension. Yeah. I think it's true with the youth side too. Oh, if I they agree. have to pay a little bit, we're going to get bang for the buck compared to free. And not that it's probably any different, but it's just, it's a mental thing. Yeah. 
Yep, it is. Um, I mean, you, if you wanted to, you could probably make money off of those. I ran a special one year for that, that three-day camp where we did science, water, and foods, where it was like $10 a camp. But if you signed up for all three, I, I knocked $5 off of it. So um, it was $25 instead of $30. It, I mean, it was, it, it was an effective method to do that. I had more that's people a, sign up for, idea. for like all that. three days as opposed to just one camp. That's they a could good sign idea. up for just one camp if that's all they wanted to do. But um, we had more sign up for all three days because they could just write a $25 check and the kids got free babysitting for three for three days. That's you know, a fabulous so. idea. Fabulous. Yeah. All right. This is a great topic. Now I want to go do some day camps. I know. Go plan some stuff. I know. Yay. <laughs> I wish I wasn't. I wish I didn't have so many contests to think about right now. Otherwise, <laughs> I would be so much more energetic and ready to go do that. But I'm kind of tired. <laughs> it's been a long week for the lunchtime ladies. Yeah. It's well, Thursday is, for us, by the way. Our this is our third Thursday. podcast to record this week, too. Yes. So. <laughs> yes. It's a, it's been a different different week for the lunchtime ladies. Yeah. But we're still coming at you with some good info to help you build your 4-H program one lunch at a time. And with that, I think we'll tie this into a neat little bow and say, um, we hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope that you'll join us right back here next week. Same time, same place. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the 4-H Lunchtime Ladies podcast. We'd like to continue this conversation with you over on our social media pages. So be sure and follow us on Instagram and Facebook and connect with us there. You can find us at the 4-H Lunchtime Ladies on both platforms.